thank you all for having us here tonight, and I know I'm excited to be here. So I'm just going to, uh, we're going to just have a very relaxed conversation. The topic is what's left of the glass ceiling. So it's kind of a term that we haven't heard for a while, but I'm glad we're bringing it back up again. So the first question is going out to all the panelists. And um, so what's left of the glass ceiling? Each of you have succeeded and excelled in your respective fields. So first of all, why don't, can you just introduce each of you again? Each, Carol, why don't you start? All right, I'm Carol Remedia Rigetti. I'm the Mahoney County Commissioner. Hi, everyone. I'm Jessica Borza. I'm the executive director of the Mahoning Valley Manufacturers Coalition. Good evening. My name is Gina Hondo. I'm the owner of Ascension Construction Solutions. I'm just going to ask, and this, this is just open for everyone. So each of you have succeeded in your own way, has succeeded in your own way, and excelled in your field. Start off by commenting on that title, what's left of the, of the glass ceiling and then maybe identify a huge crack, or if, you, if there is a huge crack, what it is that, that you think that crack is. Carol, do you wanna start? I would, I would say that we are, as women, and no disrespect to the men, but the women are there, but we are not there yet. There's not good parity with with, um, with the jobs when it comes to the amount of money that a woman would make in the same and you guys will probably address this as well when you have a woman in the, in the same position as a, as a man you look at a $20,000 non like a, not a parity to your male counterpart in that position the average, let's take an average of say 61,000 versus 45 for the same type of job. In my position as a county commissioner, I started as a councilwoman in the city of Youngstown when there was only one other woman before me. I don't think we've ever had a female mayor in the city of Youngstown. I think the only elected position in the city at one point, and that was in the mid-70s, was the clerk of court, and that was Rosemary Durkin. And so when I took over as a, in the council, I was one of two women and the only woman that chaired a finance committee. I would say that's a little chauvinistic, but that's my opinion. You know, I don't want right, to address that. Um, and, of course, the salaries are the same for all council people, the mayors and anybody in that position. Having that for, the, for, for eight years, I then ran for county commissioner, and I was only one of two. I was the only one to be the president of the commissioner's board. Now, in all other elected positions in the county, you have the recorder, and of course, a judge in the common pleas court. So it's still, we're not there yet. We're not there in the business world. 
and we're not there in the political world. And I blame, I blame us to a degree because we as women need to learn how to work together. We need to be a team, not just here tonight, but after this. You can't do this alone. You need a team. You need to be, bring people on board, mentor with them so that they understand what the job is. Not just say, I'm going to go run for commissioner, I'm going to run for recorder, I'm going to run for clerk, and you have no idea what it does. We're going to talk about mentoring later. I'm glad oh, you brought okay. that topic I'm sorry. up. No, 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 please. And i got to shut up no, because, because I could be you, here forever. You brought up <laughs> so, so, many good, so many good points. Must be my age. <laughs> I think it's the Italian in you, but that's oh, that another be. story. But okay, okay. Jessica. What do you think? So, I, you know, it's an interesting question. I guess I'm in a fortunate um, position that I don't feel like I've personally experienced a, a glass ceiling in my own career. But I certainly, and I don't know that glass ceiling as you would traditionally think about it exists in manufacturing. I think it's, it's, uh, it's even before the front door. So we have, and I pulled some statistics um, just out of curiosity, Right now in our three county area, so Trumbull, Mahoning, and Columbiana counties, in manufacturing, because that's the voice that I represent tonight, um, only 26.5% of the workforce are women. And so that represents, I think, a huge opportunity, both for individuals in our community who are looking for what are really outstanding career pathways in manufacturing. I mean, it's uh, amazing um, the breadth and depth of different pathways that you can um, enter into in manufacturing. Um, and then the, the fact that manufacturers will actually help to grow an individual and support their skill development, send them to school, um, and increase their wages along the way. So I think it presents a huge opportunity um, the good news is we're seeing a lot more women in leadership positions, and so I think that will help to pave the way and sort of model that opportunity. But our challenge is getting the word out and messaging it in such a way that's going to be attractive to young girls and career-switching women um, so that they can see that manufacturing careers are really attainable for them. Very good, Jessica. And then, Gina, you, you've got your own business, and you are an entrepreneur, it sounds like. So how, what, what is your perspective on this? So my perspective is a lot different than Karen or Jessica, just because I am in a male-dominated field. I'm a, a, a licensed engineer. I went to Youngstown State. So uh, the engineering industry itself is highly saturated with Caucasian men, to, to be quite frank about it. So regarding the glass ceiling there, I think there's a lot more work, I think, where we start with is the STEM programs, um, getting girls and, and children in general um, more interested in math and the sciences and technology programs um, than to translate into collegiate and, and beyond. So I think to, to break that glass ceiling, it has to start well beyond to the point where I'm at. Um, I've been in the industry for a little over 14 years, um, and I've, I've seen a lot, but I think every place that I've been, whether a good or bad experience, it helps to develop what I am today to be able to stand on my own in a male-dominated field as an African-American woman. Um, your second question was about cracks. Um, so I think the, the problem with 
women. I'm going to speak to women because that's all I can do. I'm not a man, so I, I can't tell you about that. But as, as far as women, we have to know our value. Um, I think a lot between men and women, you know, a, a man can look at a situation and be like, okay, I've got 40% of the requirements for this position. I'm going for it. Whereas a woman like, oh, I only got 70% of these qualifications. I don't think I fit that, you know? So knowing that there has to be a challenge in order for you to grow into and knowing what your value is, knowing that just because they throw a number out there doesn't mean that you can't negotiate a higher rate. And I think, too, is, is feeling a sense of belonging. And again, in a male-dominated field, I had to get comfortable in my own skin. Um, being the only woman in, in a board meeting, you know what I mean? Like, that, like you look around like, oh, I'm the only woman. Like, I'm no black. You know what I mean? Like, it was double. So be, <laughs> being, being able to, you know, be comfortable in my own skin and sit there and stand and, and, and let them see that my points, my views matter helps to, to even, even that playing field a bit. And, you know, prime example, have you all been watching the news about the women's soccer team, mm -hmm. the U.S. soccer team? Mm -hmm. They're saying that, you know, they get, the men's soccer team gets paid whatever they do. And they, have, yeah. they lose more games. And they lose <laughs> more games. And so the women are standing up and they're saying, wait a minute, there's something wrong with this picture. And so that's an interesting uh, debate that's going on right now. So this is such a timely, a, a timely subject. And, and a question actually for Gina, what, at what age when you were in school because now, you know, it seems in education, we're trying to get the STEM programs started earlier in, in school. Do you know what, like, what age you were when you wanted to be an engineer? Um, to be honest, I think I was a, maybe a junior in high school. And I remember to this day, Mr. Drescher was the AutoCAD teacher. Like, he taught, you know, how to CAD, how to draft. And one day he asked me, he was like, you know, what are you going to go to school for? And I'm, I'm, I'm going to go and run because I was a good runner. I was a good athlete. I ran track. I ran track for Youngstown State, Emily. Uh, <laughs> um, so he was like, but no, what are you going to study? And I'm like, study? That's a good question. You know what I mean? So like I, I just knew I was going to college. I was going to be an athlete. But what was I going to study? And so he began bringing me literature, you know, about engineering and different programs. And for some reason, I fell in love with civil. So from that point, he arranged college visits for me to go see and talk to professors. So having, I guess, teachers who care, who go beyond just, just, just the regular teaching in class to say, okay, I want you to succeed beyond this point. So I think high school is, is when I knew, but after that, it was, it was set. Like, there was nothing else that I wanted to do after I found engineering. Thank God for that teacher. Mr. Drescher, mm -hmm. was it? Okay. All right. Well, coming back, Carol, you, you have a good point about women being in politics. Although this election was um, pretty sweet, I, you might agree. Um, a record 102 women will serve in the incoming House of Representatives, comprising 23, almost 23.5% of the chamber's voting members. Do you think we're seeing a real shift, or is, just, is this a one-time reaction? No, I think we are seeing a shift. I think when you have... Women in government, uh, women are focused. They're focused on, on the work that they've been hired to do, whether it's what I do as a political or the congressionals as they are elected. They're going there with a purpose, and that is for the people. And their heart is in that. And when you're elected to a position, and I'm not saying the men do not do this, but I know 
myself that when, when you're elected and you say, I'm going to work for you, and not what, what you do all the time is going to be the right way or it's not going to be what most want to hear, but you're going to give them the truth. And I think what we see in Congress is going to start moving us ahead and we're going to see more women. Because women aren't afraid to say what they think. You know, right. I could say what I think. Ladies, I could be wrong. Right? Is she right? Yeah. And, and I could be wrong. I admit my mistake and move on and let's go do something else. Let's try another way. Mm-hmm. But in uh, that, you see the change. Well, look, look at the mayor's. Nan Wildly, I don't know if anyone knows Nan. I do know Nan. She's uh, the mayor of Dayton, Ohio. I don't believe we have other, any other female mayors in the state of Ohio. I can't I mean, think I of anyone. Try to anyone find out. We don't, I don't believe we have any other mayors. Now, why is that? We've got to change that. We have to change that because women have a different perspective than men. Mm-hmm. Not saying that... In the end, we don't have the same result. But the approach that we take is a little bit different. We, we're honest from day one Absolutely. when we take a position and we work on what we feel is, Important. is our importance. Absolutely. All right, and Gino, you talked a little bit about this, and you, you are in one of the most stereotypical male, white male professions out there. According to another statistic for you, according to the National Association of Women in Construction, while the industry has seen a steady increase in the number of women employed, only an estimated 9% of the construction industry is made up of women. So what would you say, um, what could be the barriers for women trying to break into construction? If you're talking specifically about construction, um, a lot has to do with it is a lot of manual labor. Um, and maybe some women don't want to do that. So if you look at construction, primarily you'll see women in operating positions. So running backhoes, running large equipment, or you'll see them, you know, doing flagging, like, you know, directing traffic on, on a public right-of-way type projects. Um, so I guess I would say... Getting more women in the trades that maybe aren't so, um, I guess, hard on on you physically. So maybe electrical trades or, um, you know, plumbing, you know, things where, you know, bricklaying is is a very strenuous and tedious job. You know what I mean? I don't, myself, I wouldn't want to do it. So I think having jobs that, I guess, are, look more provocative to women may may be a way to engage them or, or even introducing them to the trades again, like as you're introducing them to STEM. So like, not everybody is meant for college, right? So trades are a great way to, to make a living mm-hmm. and, and, and be successful in your own right. So. so again, maybe starting earlier in the education process. So, you know, maybe well, make, in grade them school. Aware. I don't think women are aware of apprenticeship programs for different, different areas in construction. I think it's just that we don't know. So, again, like making that information available, um, having roundtables, you know, j- just to show that, okay, these are, op- these are actual options for you as a career. Absolutely. Or having like the career centers, like the Mahoney County um, Tech, you know, what is it called? The MCTC. Tech- MCTC. Trumbull County has one as well. Columbiana, I'm sure. 
you know, maybe bringing those, um, some of those folks into even the elementary school. I mean, I don't think it's, it's really too early to expose young girls to, um, yeah, like you said, what's out there, what's available. Mm -hmm. So good ideas. Yeah. Um, Jessica, excuse me. According to the latest census, Women make up nearly one-third of the manufacturing industry workforce in the United States. I think you kind of touched on this. But it's still underrepresented when considering that women make up almost 48% of the, of the entire U.S. workforce. So same question. What are the opportunities and the obstacles for women in manufacturing? Yeah, you know, I think that, um, as I touched on before, I think the main obstacle is really just presenting those opportunities and presenting them in such a light that when we do get the word out in schools, which I think is, I think there, it's not, there isn't uh, such a thing as being too early to start to introduce career options of all sorts to um, young people. But when we do that, we need to show images of girls and boys. We need to even watch our language. I know we talk about guys in manufacturing. Well, that, you know, then automatically presents an image of, you know, we basically write off half of the workforce when we do that. And it's unintentional, and we all use that, you know, pronoun kind of loosely, you know, Mm -hmm. guys this, Mm -hmm. guys that. But I think that we need to become more intentional about that and and showing and exposing young people to the careers. Um, You know, I think that while there is a physical element in manufacturing as well, um, there is also an intellectual um, component um, and jobs that are less physically demanding. So, um, you know, I hear oftentimes, and this is probably a, a good thing and a bad thing, we hear manufacturers say, women make excellent welders, and women make, you know, are good at um, wiring because they have more attention to detail and, and that sort of thing. And that's great, and we want more of that, but women can be darn good machinists, too, and we need people in machining that have very strong math skills, and last time I checked, women can do math as good as or better than, than men, so um, I think we need to start really telling those stories and, and getting the word out. Um, and, and then once they're there, helping to nurture them in the workplace. And that's uh, probably a topic, you know, another topic for the discussion. But um, exciting I, opportunities, though. Absolutely. And I like the way, I like where you're going. I mean, I like the idea that, you know, nurturing, using the, the kind of language that, you know, I'm guilty myself of saying, well, well, you guys, you know, what do you guys think? So girls and guys, I don't know what the... What a what a substitute could be for you guys, but we'll start thinking of some of some good terms. So yeah, thank you. So, Carol, did you want to? You know, add I something? just I just want to echo some of the things that you were speaking of. Um, just recently, in the last couple of years, we the county sold our minimum security jail to YSU for an innovation center for non-traditional educational programs that men and women will be utilizing uh, in the future as that gets started uh, for a non-traditional education with a degree. And that would be to to what you've said about the trades and different different types of uh, electrical, plumbing, machinists, 
and different things like that that you will be able to get a degree for. And in the schools, I know that in, uh, in the city schools, as well as MCTC, the trades have, um, the unions have programs that are allowing all or anyone's welcome to go to the programs, you know, to be a, for an apprenticeship program. And that's where they would learn whether it be the plumbing or the pipe fitting, welding, uh, electricals. So they do have those. And that actually, as you said, those just started in the last five or six years. So yeah, hopefully we'll be mm-hmm. in another, you know, moving along. Absolutely. Yeah, moving forward. We are moving forward. I mean, slowly but surely, it's, it's progress is being made. Um, this might be a good time to talk about the mentor, the mentoring aspect. You know, we've talked about some ways that, some things that we can do to, to talk, you know, try to change or affect diversity in the workplace. You know, what about mentoring? Um, I know myself, I've, I've been asked to mentor um, some students um, through the Beatitude House. The Ursuline Sisters have a mentoring program. And so there's, uh, there's a young lady that I'm mentoring now. She goes to YSU. It, it, it was brought to my attention, you know, and, and we get so busy with our lives. You know, we're working, we're, we're at home, we're raising families, you know, taking care of the house. But, you know, these, these little changes that we can make personally, I mean, just agreeing to be a mentor is, um, is something that each and every one of us could do. I mean, it, it might take a couple hours a month just even staying in contact. What I do is we talk on the phone, mostly, throwing out these kinds of ideas. But I, I like this, um, you know, this vehicle that we have here because just throwing out ideas. I think we're, we could solve the problems of the world right now, you know, like in the next half an hour. Right. Yeah. But so talking more about diversity, most would agree that we've been making progress, but, but it's still going to require changes in the system um, because whether or not we're doing it intentionally, there is still discrimination in the workforce. I mean, it, it just, it, that's the way it is. So opening it up to, to the three of you, what systemic changes can help women succeed and excel? For example, flex hours you know, might be one way. Any other ideas? We've been looking at some best practices, and, th- and that's, that's one. We've seen um, other manufacturers in Ohio, actually, that have models of job sharing. So they'll hire multiple individuals for one full-time equivalent position, and they let them decide their schedule. So they figure out uh, uh, how to make up that 40-hour work week. And, um, you know, because in manufacturing, one of the limitations is that you can't work from home. <laughs> You've got, you know, if there's um, something that needs to pr- be produced in the shop or uh, on the production line, that's not something you can remote in. So, you know, that's something that is less flexible for women and young millennials and others who are looking to make career decisions. But if, but the scheduling can be flexible. And as long as that job is covered, that's, I thought, one of a, a, a more innovative idea that I've seen. And something that we're going to have to to think about as we introduce more women into the manufacturing workplace because, um, you know, I think 
again, not only women, but young women and, and millennial women um, and men are looking for that type of flexibility. And so how do we figure that out? So, you know, maybe one week I can take on 20 hours um, and another week Carol, you know, wants to work, you know, a little bit extra. Work it out, figure out what works for our child care and things like that. So I think in manufacturing we are looking now proactively for some of those examples and we just need to do a better job of incorporating them into um, our manufacturers here in the Valley. Nice. Gina? Um, I think, so my industry, it, it doesn't lend to the same amount of, of flexibility as, say, how Jessica was discussing the manufacturing. But I think, I think for men and women, like paternity and maternity leave for both sex um, could be a way to attract um, both sexes to our industry. Having paid time off instead of vacation, you can use it however you want. If you need uh, a refresher day, just a, a day to collect yourself, um, allowing that flexibility to be able to use your time however you, you like. I mean, it's your time. And, and encouraging people to take time off. Um, a lot of people can get burned out, um, especially like projects that run, you know, seven days, six days a week, 10 hours a day. And if you're out there all the time, you can easily get burned out. So being able to say, you know what, I, I need to take a day off. Um, I think there's not going to be any hardship about how you're taking your time. You're not going to be penalized for, for taking time off. I think those are all areas that would attract both women and men to the industry. Um, it, it really comes down to talent and how do you want to attract the best talent for, for your company. So for me as a company, I launched in July of last year. So right now I'm in the process, okay, what do I need to do? What do I need to offer to be competitive? And not only competitive, but to allow people to feel that they, they have an investment in the company. So I think sharing what your vision is with your employees, whether male or female, um, I think is definitely a way to, to bring the more talented people. So like if you're investing in a company, the hours, but you also feel like, hey, you know what? There's a project we should go look after. And then you're saying, you know, my boss, she's cool. Like if I bring this idea to her, she's really going to run it down and see if it's something that we can do. So it, it's, it's an investment having an opportunity to feel like you have a, like an open community. Like it needs to feel like a family. I think people prosper, especially women, thrive in a family-type environment at work. Because you spend a lot of time with the people. You, I spend more time with the people I work with than my own husband. You know, I have a work husband. You know what I mean? Like, you, that, that's how much time you're spending with these other people. So I think keeping all that and taking that all into account, I think, leads to a better future for women in our industry. Wonderful. And I just want to check our time schedule, Lynn. Are we at 7.30? Do we need to open up? to the audience. Okay, so audience, questions? Yes, uh, do you, is it just a stereotype or do you think that what might be holding women back? Are they afraid that if they do a job that's traditionally male-oriented, men will not find them attractive? You wanna take well, it? doesn't find me very attractive. <laughs> <laughs> I look good. <laughs> I would say no. I mean, just because you're in a male-dominated field, I don't have to wear men's clothing. I'm still a woman, you know what I mean? And, and my viewpoints are going to be different. So I think having women in the industry adds something. You don't have groupthink. You know, if you have a lot of people who 
you know, same sex, same race, they tend to think alike. So if you have diversity within that, you shaking your head no? You agree? No? No, I'm, I'm just like stunned by that question. But, but, it's a, it, you, but you know what? It, it opens the door to have that conversation to educate this man about what, what it really is. So it's a good question. Don't, don't feel undermined or anything like that. It's one that we can answer from a, a woman's perspective. So do I feel less sexy in my industry? Do, now, do I... You know what? The, the thing is, I, I think I... I'm, I'm going to be honest. When I first... Um, when I graduated from YSU and I moved to Columbus, I worked my first job. I was at a wastewater treatment facility. We were building an additional aeration tank. Too much, doesn't matter. But the point is, I'm going to be honest with you. So my, me and my brother are about the, the same height, maybe a couple inches taller than me. I was so concerned about sexual harassment because I was going to be one of the only women out in the field on this project that I was literally wearing my brother's clothes to work. Did that really hide anything? Because my husband and I, we work together. So like years later, he'd be like, you know what? People still talk. So they're gonna, people are going to say or going to do what they want to do regardless. The only thing you can be responsible for is how you perceive yourself, how you carry yourself. You can't control what others are going to think. And it doesn't matter what you're wearing, if you're pretty or not. Women in construction, they're going to hoot and holler and whistle if you're the prettiest person in the world or the doggest. So... I don't think it really matters at the end of the day, as long as you perform your job. I don't think a lot of women go to work looking for, granted, I found mine at work, but you know, we, we don't, we don't, we're not going to work looking for a relationship, so I don't think that really matters. Ladies, anyone else want to address that? I just, um, I honestly think we're beyond that point. We are beyond that point. Maybe... 25 years ago, I'd say yes, but this, this new air that's coming up now, it, you have to be strong in your skin. You got to be strong in who you are. And if it is a male-dominated field, you have to sometimes think like a man, talk like one, and look like a lady to succeed. Seriously. So I, I think we're strong in who we are and what we want to do. I, I think we're beyond all of the, um, the, the, the younger people today. Maybe in my day, we had a lot of that. But today, the young women today are a lot different than we were. I think it all comes to just pursuing your dream, no matter what anybody thinks of what you want. You just keep on going and you do it because you're, you're just as good as the person next to you, whether it's a woman or a man. You know, you just good have advice. to stay focused. Stay true, stay true to who you are. Yeah. Jessica? Yeah, I, I don't know a woman in my circles that ever considered for one minute um, whether her career pathway would be attractive or less attractive to whoever she was hoping to attract. True. So it doesn't matter. Um, yeah. <laughs> I just, okay. Uh, All right. I, is there... I'll keep her the mic, but I also have a question. Um, you're, there's diversity on this uh, panel. What advice would you give to young women who were, what, like, try to pursue what you were doing to avoid maybe one of the biggest pitfalls that you may have had in your careers? What would you advise young women to, to do to avoid that? Whoever wants to take it. 
Um, I think I'd first say um, be comfortable. Like, and for me, there was a lot of. Have you ever heard of imposter syndrome? No. No. So imposter syndrome. I think I have it. I'm self-diagnosing. <laughs> but um, imposter syndrome is, si- is simply feeling like you don't belong in that area. You're not good enough. All the success that you have. Somehow somebody just gave it to you. You didn't earn it. You, didn't, you don't have the education, the knowledge to be where you are. So I think to avoid like the pitfalls, like I think women and everybody needs a strong support system. So when, when I'm sit standing in my office like, oh my gosh, I don't think I can do this. I can call my husband freaking out like, babe, wh- wh- I don't know. I, th- this isn't me. Like, why am I doing this? And then he provides that support. Like, no, you, you know this. You, you have the same qualifications, if not more, than what I have. Like, why are you feeling this way? So having someone, you, and you might need it constantly, having someone to keep saying those things to you, it will kind of erase that. So I think to answer your question, the pitfalls, having a strong background to, as a sounding block for, for women to move forward having someone to support and say, you know what, yes, that's a good idea. Take that to the higher boss instead of giving it to the guy to take to the higher boss. I think those are the, are, are the ways that we can avoid pitfalls so that we're recognized versus letting someone else take credit for what we're doing. Mm-hmm. She's good. Right. Good answer. You're right. Thank you. 100%. Yeah. Thank you, Karen. Very Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hi, I'm... Elizabeth, I'm probably not the best person to say this, but saying that I have quite a bit of experience being a woman in, in heavenly industrial fields, which aren't doing so well from the Northeast Ohio perspective. But saying that my question specifically, I went to school, I have a couple degrees, one specifically in power plant technology, which is a technical study associates, very STEM-oriented one. And saying that I've struggled to find a job, let alone keep one, but there's multiple things on there. And with that, my main question is that I've come up against uh, EEOC type of deal and saying that affirmative action I know isn't like a touched on topic and not something that you'd want to explore. But I opened up a case against the large corporation and saying that because I passed all the tests, I have the credentials, saying that I don't know what else I would be lacking. But for upper arm strength was their requirement here and saying that I have a brain. I have a team and saying that I can find a way. I have tools. Like, you hire me for a technical job. You hire me because of who I am, my individual strength. But the corporation said that we cannot hire you or keep you in any capacity. And saying that when we go up against something like this, because I am a woman, we, I believe that is something if I were a man, I wouldn't have a problem with. And saying that I don't think I would have a problem in the job or the field. What do we do about something like that? And we can't quite change the industries, but that's what needs to be done here. So just to clarify, so you feel discriminated in your, when you applied for this job, and, and what was it for again? What was the job? The position was for a couple, actually, with the same company, which I shouldn't have done, but saying that they said I wasn't allowed to apply, and both times I passed everything but the upper arm strength. It's First Energy is the corporation, and saying that it was a power plant position with them in both cases, and they are at coal plants, Samus, and then Bruce Mansfield was the other. And obviously, if you're from the area, you know some of the things that are going on. And I have a background in GM and those kind of things as well, and a concrete company in Akron, Ohio. And I've seen so much in saying that through school, through being brought up, and have had lots of problems. And saying that I am blonde and, you know, 
tall and younger, but younger than I am with basically where I'm at right now <laughs> through this whole process. Like a construction, like a construction company. Am I, I'm not hearing you clearly. I'm uh, sorry. First Energy is the power plant. First Energy, got it. In that aspect, in that regard. Okay. I can't speak to that particular opportunity or, or that instance. Um, you know, obviously there are some jobs that rec- have physical requirements. You know, linemen climbing poles, I imagine, need physical upper um, strength, so I can understand that. Um, I, you know, in my experience, having the figuring out what occupations require the the smarts, the technical skills, and being able to take those paths and acquiring the skills that you need. If you were, and I, I'm from manufacturing, so I can only speak, uh, speak to that, but um, if you were able to operate a machine um, and you know, become a machinist, those skills, no matter what your, you know, what your background or what you look like, um, are so in high in demand that manufacturers would be open to that. So, um, so I can only speak to that to know that you know those occupations that you're looking at, you know, knowing what the physical requirements are as well as the technical requirements, I think is important. Does that help? Does that I was turned down a different position with a different company that was on the 100 best at the time to take this position, so it was more the company and the corporation, but First Energy is primarily in this area and those kind of things. AP. So, what? AP. They are the best corporation. That's the one that I turned down to try and take the First Energy. So you turned them down for the the First Energy. So why don't you go back to it? Because it sounds like First Energy is, they they, they have a perception of, of what it takes for this job. Um, I, I don't mean to take up anyone's time. I'm, I'm sorry? I don't mean to take up time. No. If you want, we can talk after two. Um, but I will really just say very quickly, like, if, if that's how they're treating you and you're not even a part of the yeah, there the are corporation, good companies out there, but I'm saying there's so many that are not in the business industry and the industry in general. But, but so, women, I think, should change the world. But, kind of right, thing. but, but if, 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 if you're getting the same response that you're not, essentially you're not strong enough for this position, Right. I'm a, a fix-it type of girl. Like, I'm going to find solutions. So what do I need to do? Maybe work out. Like, increase your strength. I mean, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be funny. I'm being dead. I'm being no, r- real, I'm, for I'm real. I'm still for trying real. to get a job. <laughs> right. So, but I'm saying, like, you, you, can, you can change your circumstance. Um, it, it's not like they're saying, like, we're not hiring you because you're female. They, they, they've pinpointed something that's required for that position that you don't have, that you lack. So you work on either filling that gap that you have, the same way if, if it was something educational that you wouldn't have in your resume, you would work towards filling that gap. So you need to figure out what it is that will help you achieve that goal if that's really truly the company you want to work for. Personally, me, I'd be like, okay, if that's how you feel about it, no. I'll, I, I, I'm sure there's 18 million other agencies or organizations out here that will gladly take you. Just find the one that's a right fit for you because if they're treating you like this, it can't be a right fit from jump. Yeah, and I want to say thank you so much. You've been so helpful in that of the panel. You've suggested things, and you are proactive. You're answering everything, and I very much appreciate you. I appreciate all of you, but your perspective in general and very specifically has helped a lot. Look, eat a hot dog and afterwards and have a Thank you. That's a good idea. <laughs> Questions? All right, well, I'll throw something out there to, uh, to the audience, to the panel. Do we see a woman president... Soon. 
God, I can't say what I really want to say, but uh, <laughs> I'm sure it would incriminate me. I think down the road, um, I think that we, we didn't believe we would see an African-American as president, and we had one of the best presidents with Barack Obama. He took care of the middle class. He helped the poor people. And he, he was a well-rounded man. Um, what we have now, I don't think is that great for the masses of the middle class. I really don't see it. Uh, I think down the road, I don't know if we're ready for 2020, but I think a woman is destined to be the president of the United States. And I believe if we could get the right woman in that position, we can't have too far left or too far right. We have to be centered in the middle to attract everyone. Because the moderate, and I'm a Democrat, so I could speak to that. You need moderate Democrats, Democrats that see both sides to bring it together as one. I think in the future we're going to have this. Uh, I don't know that I see it like next, this election coming, because from what I understand, the election will be in March. So it's going to be uh, a very difficult time to get out and campaign. Uh, I'm hoping that whoever we do get is going to help all of the people and and just Thanks. be a part of all of us. Yes, thank you. Let me open this to Gina and Jessica. What do you see that would be different with a woman president? Any thoughts on that? I think, I think women are natural collaborators. I think we bring emotional intelligence to the table. I think we are generally strong listeners, um, and our natural inclination is to figure out how to make things work for everyone, for, for the greater good. And, um, you know, that's probably painting a little bit with a broad brush, but I think it's, you know, sort of proven that we bring those strengths generally to the table. And I think um, leaders in companies that are women are bringing that. I think the, you know, a leader in a, in a political role and in a presidential role could bring that, and that would be a, a welcome change from what we're seeing. Mm-hmm. I don't say anything if I don't have anything to add, so... We can move forward to the All next right. question. <laughs> well, for my thought would be, like in the situation room, you know how you always see on television that the president is rushed into the situation room. I mean, like Jessica said, I could see the woman president sitting, you know, very calmly, very um, astutely listening to everyone's um, input ideas and then being able to manage everyone in the room and being able to make the right decision. I mean, that's, you know, I have a vision of that in, in my mind. When, when that's going to be, I, I'm not sure. Um, I do apologize if this question may be redundant, but what advice would you offer to a young lady who is coming up in today's society and looking to find her way? In general, just? Yes. In general? Yes. Okay. I'll speak sort of from a career standpoint um, to begin with. Yes. Uh, 
So I, you know, I think that my advice would be to really know yourself, understand what you like and what you don't like, um, and then explore all options. There are so many options out there, but know that no matter what you choose is a starting point. I think um, especially young people have so many opportunities in front of them. And the exciting thing is, you know, some people will point to the statistic that you're going to have 12 to however many jobs on average in your lifetime now. You know, the, the years of retiring and, you know, after 30 years from the same company are probably just not a reality in today's um, economy. But what that presents is a really interesting pathways. Um, and it presents you an opportunity to learn from each step, each job. So you can learn from that first job and you can take a look around at your company and see who you think you might, you know, what kinds of positions people have that you might like to do and, and really explore that. But my main advice in all of that beyond just find something that you love or that you're passionate about and kind of follow that is to become um, very prepared to, to equip yourselves with skills that are going to be marketable, that you can then translate in a number of different ways and use that to your advantage and then know your value, which is what Gina said earlier. You know, understand that, um, that you bring a lot to the table and, and carve out and, and, and bring it, like truly bring it, you know, when, when you're there and, and carve your pathway and, and lead it because it's your life, you know, and I think women should, should feel empowered to do that. You know, I, I echo that, but I think when we, when we look at our young women, we have to start mentoring them in grade school and high school where they have the classes to mentor with the women and, and and I've been asked, and I know probably all of us have been asked to go in and, and speak to uh, women. I've been asked to speak with uh, Lois Haynes Page with, when she worked at Chauvin and speak to the women, the young girls that are in, in, uh, were in her classes to try to mentor with them to see where their path is best fit, whether it's is college their best best fit, YSU, what career path, or is it Eastern Gateway, community college, to try to find your way to start off. Uh, I think our young people uh, are not getting enough of that young in high school so that they know that they can succeed. You know, too many uh, people, too many young people are not encouraged the way they should be to, to keep going. And um, I think mentoring with them is, is the way to do it so that they feel secure in their decisions. Right, and it, it could be the Career and Technical Center. Right. It, college is not for everyone. I want to take a little different stab or perspective. Um, I'm assuming you're asking this for, for your daughter a little bit. So, um, so my, my, my cohorts here, they, they, they talked about it from a perspective of how to be successful, but I think we're in a different age. So, um, you know, when, when, when I was coming up, like, you know, internet, all that kind of stuff was really just popping off, like chat rooms and what have you. So it's hard to say, I, I would say first, 
and I don't have any kids, so take this with a grain of, a grain of salt. Um, but I think having a relationship with your child that fosters open communication where they feel comfortable coming and telling you about things. I mean, I never had to deal with social, you know, social media and bullying over the internet. Um, so like, I look at it and I'm like, just turn it off. You know what I mean? Like that, that, that seems a normal thing, but can you really get away from it? Like if you're at school and your friend is on the phone, they're going to show you, okay, look what she's saying about you or look what he said or did. So it, it's really a thing. You have to groom your child to be strong in themselves because you can't protect them. Like once they're in school, even, even when they're young and you want to shield them, you want to protect them, you really can't. So the only thing I could, I could suggest is, is allow them the opportunity to talk. You know, don't, don't interrupt when they're explaining something. Sometimes, even as a woman, you know, I don't need my husband to give me a, a fix-it answer. Sometimes I just want you to listen. So having that open dialogue where you're saying, okay, how was your day? And really meaning it, not shutting off the dialogue when it's something that you don't want to hear. So I, I think that part, so when your child is having a bad day, they can come home and talk to mom and dad versus balling all of that up until it explodes into something undesirable. I'll put it that way. Good. And again, I don't know. Mom, what you think? <laughs> I, I love the fact that you're bringing it from a, from a young perspective. Right, I mean, right. your age is, is, it's perfect. I mean, I think the age, you know, the, the, um, the collection of, of people that we have here, the different age groups, the different, you know, the diversity. Talk about diversity in the workplace. Um, great answers. Yeah. So we've got five minutes left, and um, in the last five minutes, I mean, I think we've, we've really kind of taken a stab at, you know, what's left of, of the glass ceiling. I mean, some say that they don't see it in there. Jessica said, you know, in her industry, in the manufacturing industry, it's not as big of a deal as it is maybe for Gina in um, engineering. Carol has been trailblazing since... City Council? Yeah. So, long time. So, I mean, the broad, you know, the spectrum of, of opinions of what's left of the glass ceiling is, um, you know, it's a lot to think about, isn't it? I mean, I think we've, you know, we're enjoying good food, good brews, and good conversation. Good, uh, good intellect. Okay. Another question. Okay, my question is, uh, it feels like all of you up there kind of like the only females or very few females in your industry. And I, for one, I'm that way in my industry as well as not only being a female, but being an African-American female in my industry. I know there's no one in the Valley that does what I do. But I just want to know, are there any, like, instead of just having this one forum that we're having here today, are there any groups or, yeah, or organizations that women can talk about this on a monthly basis, or do we just have to wait for someone like City Club to put something together like this, or something that's not industry specific? Good question. Yeah. League of Women Voters. It's Legal. a nonpartisan group, and they have great discussion. Okay. I think they meet. Uh, I I don't have it with me, but I'm in that organization, and it is a good organization. Uh, it's a diverse uh, organization. Okay. 
I, I actually a, I'm a female brewer. I brew beer. I work at Modern Methods in Warren, Ohio, and I'm also a winemaker. Nice. Are you really? Yeah. Warren needs. I get up on. I know. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. And as a follow-up, I always have a, I mean, Tim laughs at because my standard question for folks who are on panels like this, you come here for a reason. What would you want everyone in this room to know as a result of you being on this panel? You came here to share information, but if you had to think of one thing, a website or something to read, an article, whether it be local or a national article that has national implications, what would you suggest that we go out and read, the first thing we read based on this topic tonight, if you could suggest something for us? What you would need to do is, um, and you know, I'm guilty of this as well. When, when I was asked uh, to join the panel about the glass ceiling and women's rights and, all, and everything involved, I think some of us that are in it take it for granted because we've already been there. But I think what you need to do is what I did before I came and with the help of my friend Sarah Lown, because um, she told me, are you prepared? And I says, well, I think so. She prints off 35 pages of, of, of things that deal with women, and, I mean, the whole nine yards. Percentages, university, I mean, which is excellent. I think what did you, you have... Google it? She Googled it, I guess. Google Sarah, did you Google it? And the glass ceiling? <laughs> but she Googled it, and, then, and I'm, I'm at work, and I printed this off, and I'm like, oh, my God, I didn't know that. Well, and and that- I'm looking at the statistics, and I'm thinking, wow, we're there, but we're not there yet. So I, I so would say Google it. That's a good place it. to end. We're there, but we're not there yet. So um, it's, I've got 7.59. I've got 8 o'clock, so I guess it's time to hit the gong. Thank you.